Welcome to Spun on Safety, the program designed for safety professionals. Spun on Safety is brought to you by iWorkWise, providing safety knowledge when you need it. For more information about iWorkWise, go to iWorkWise.com. Welcome to iWorkWise. Episode 9, Lower Explosive Limit, with your hosts, Amy Does and Dan Smiley. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Dan. So I get a lot of questions and have a lot, a lot of uh, confusion when I teach this subject at Haswhopper and thought this might be a nice topic to put out on the podcast so that people could listen to it and maybe re-listen to it if the need arose. Um, so... Uh, Lower explosive limit. Why is it so difficult for people to get their minds around this? Well, I think probably for a couple of reasons is every different material that's going to burn and, you know, mix with air has one and they're all different. So you kind of have to know the personality of that chemical or the characteristics of that chemical. And you find this LEL information on the MSDS. And unless you've had a little bit of training beyond the regular HASCOM, you know, where they say this is an MSDS and tells you what PPE to wear and things like that. You kind of don't get into this the little numbers section and the physical characteristics or physical properties of the chemical. So when you look at the LEL, you're going to get um, a percentage number, percentage of a material mixed in air that will uh, sustain flame or explode even, and that's your lower explosive limit. So it depends on the chemical, and each chemical will have a slightly different one or a vastly different one, and you just have to know what it is for that one. But um, it's the concentration at which a, a, a chemical mixes with air, the minimum amount it takes to sustain flame or kind of explode or even, you know, basically catch the air on fire, to use kind of layman's language. So... Um, People get confused about it, I think, because they're not trained about it in the first place, and also it deals with percentage, and then you have other things in response that are also percentage, and then it all get, turns to mush uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, my brain becomes mush pretty easily these days. So there's a couple of things that, that come to mind as we're talking about LEL. In, in order to be able to tell where we are, in the lower explosive limit, we need to be able to monitor uh, for the concentration. Uh, how do we go about doing that? Well, what what is the easiest way probably is to get a monitor that measures LEL. And usually these have a little platinum element that burns and the heat that it, it generates uh, basically tells the machine where you're at, whether, you know, how close you are to the LEL. And it, of course, LA, your lower explosive limit, or uh, basically you have 100, if you're in a room full of air, you have 100% air, and our lower explosive limit for a chemical, let's say it's 1%. So if I get 1% of that chemical mixed in with the air in the room, I can reach a point where it'll burn. Um, but 1% of the chemical in the room is 100% of the LEL. And hence, we have another area, you know, a thing that I think blows most people's minds right out of the gate. So 1% of that chemical in the overall atmosphere of the room is the LEL. And then you measure LEL in percent of LEL when you're going in using a meter. So 
Um, when you hit 100% of your LEL, you now have 1% of the chemical in the room, and you're at a point where you can have, uh, if you have a sufficient a spark of sufficient energy, um, you can have an explosion. But the percent you're saying the percentage of the chemical doesn't relate directly to the lower explosive limit. Some chemical may require more or less mixed with air to reach that lower explosive limit. Sure. So, um, for instance, if you have flammable gases or vapors, um, maybe it'll be in the maybe one, two percent is all you need. Just a little bit of fuel mixed in with air in that room and it'll it'll sustain combustion. But if you have other gases that that aren't quite so flammable, um, like ammonia, it takes 15 percent. 15 percent of that air in that room has to be replaced with ammonia for you to sustain any kind of explosion. Or, or flame propagation. So it, it will completely vary by chemical, um, but 100% of the LEL, when you hit 100% of any, you hit 100% of that material's LEL, you're at a point where you can have an explosion. So that uh, the monitor that you were talking about that uh, is heating up the, the chemical and measuring how close to the lower explosive limit that I am, does it care? what the material is that I'm measuring for? Is it all the same? Uh, in essence, it doesn't. It's measuring the LEL of anything. However, with if you if you look at your documentation that comes with that monitor or you talk to the uh, manufacturer of the monitor, there's a little bit of a correction factor because you're calibrating the monitor to something like butane or pentane um, and, and other things are just slightly different. So it gets you close get you really close and you don't have to get too much further in it than that is if you're hitting hundred percent of LEL you better get it out because if you have any kind of spark or you drop a tool or whatever you have a chance of, uh, of the air flashing in the room um, but yeah there's a little bit of a correction factor and if you're using it for a particular gas um, and and you're calibrating the butane or pentane then you're probably going to want to get that LEL correlation factor chart uh, that the manufacturer has and see see basically you have to you know times your number times 1.5 or something to get an accurate number or 0.9 or you know there's a chart that goes with it so how did, if i was uh you're saying that if it reaches 100 percent of the lower explosive limit i i can get out is that the point where you know my safe up to then anything less than a hundred percent of the lower explosive limit not enough uh, chemical to to burn, and so I'm good to go. Well, uh, yeah, it's not going to burn until you hit 100% of your LEL. It's not going to burn. But to enter something safely, of course, we don't want you to wait to the very bitter end. And where you happen to be standing, maybe further in the room, it's a little thicker. But so there's always a safety margin built in, and the safety margin kind of it varies. It's one of two numbers, and it varies depending what OSHA standard you're looking at. Um, but for confined spaces, if you're going in a confined space, you wouldn't enter if you're at over 10% of the LEL. Or when you hit 10% of the LEL, you would evacuate from that space. But there are other more controlled situations um, like dip tanks and spray painting and things like that where OSHA allows you to be in up to 25% of the LEL. So both of those numbers rattle around when we're talking about um, LEL. But... Um, the, the moral of the story is, is that there's a safety margin. You don't push it up to 100% of LEL. You don't push it to where, oh, yeah, now I'm in a room that can explode. 
with with uh, sometimes very little energy um, or a very little spark, even static off your uh, REI jacket, you know, could ignite it at that point for some material. So um, we're always going to uh, leave sooner than the LEL. So in, a, in an emergency response, if I was mounting, a, a, say, a level A response for a release of chemical, would I use 10% or 25% of the lower explosive well, limit as my evacuation point? Well, that's a good question. And uh, we covered that a little bit in our emergency response podcast. But um, basically, you have some room to make a decision. If your situation isn't very stable, though, and you're an emergency re- responder and you're approaching I've seen companies uh, and, and organizations use either one. Um, I haven't seen any number other than these. No one goes over 25% um, as far as, you know, having to make sure there's a safety margin. They're not going to 35 or 50. There's no question about that. But between the 10 or 25%, um, I've seen some variation in industry, and I think OSHA's seen that too. And I've actually talked to them on the subject, and, you know, I, uh, there's a little gray area. But in my mind, um, in an emergency, you're dealing with an uncontrolled release, perhaps something that uh, isn't that stable, uh, might be significantly worse another 10 feet into the room or another 50 feet into the spill. Um, So I would probably go with the 10% if it was me. Um, and but you need to work it in your emergency response plan. This is part of your hazard assessment and in your emergency response plan. And, and uh, you definitely want to set a level that would be a no-go level for LEL. Well, most companies tend to side on the the conservative side. So it seems like 10%, especially if you were working with something that didn't directly have a correction factor uh, you know, in the documentation so that you couldn't be quite certain whether you should be adding or subtracting to the number on the display, 10% seems like a reasonable number to go with. Yeah, and that's that's uh, normally what I recommend to people as they go with the 10%. But I don't lie to them and say, hey, it is 10%. I mean, there there isn't a law that says that in the emergency response standards. Um, so each company has a right to get good advice and decide you know, this is what's published, this is what's out there, you know, and then it's their business to make the call. But if it was my company, I'd probably call it 10% for an emergency situation. So LEL is also related to IDLH, or immediately dangerous to life and health. How is that established, and how can we find that information? This is an interesting relationship, um, that, that, and you'll see um, some some kind of strange data. So let me kind of explain what you're going to see. Let's say if you open the NIOSH pocket guide and you look under the IDLH number. IDLH, as we've talked about it in previous podcasts, and uh, those numbers kind of established by NIOSH, um, and it's a it's a number that's immediately dangerous to life and health. Well, for flammable materials, sometimes you hit an explosive hazard before you get a hazard that's a health hazard. So in your NIOSH pocket guide, you'll see for some materials that the IDLH value will say 10% of LEL. So they're saying um, they're just considering that IDLH. Um, so anyway, that's that's kind of weird, but uh, just kind of it's good to explain and get it out there that uh, that you're going to see those things and what they are. But for for most materials that are um, toxic. You're going to hit an immediately dangerous to life and health level. A permiss- you know, it's kind of an exposure limit um, where 
it's quite dangerous from that point on, and you would need some kind of supplied air or self-contained breathing apparatus. Um, but for these these highly flammable things, um, they don't even want you in there past past your ten percent of LEL. Not not for a health hazard reason, just for I guess it's a health hazard if you blow up, right? But uh, not for, necessarily for respiratory protection, but to point out the fact that you're in a flammable uh, potential flammable situation. Well, thank you, Amy. This has been really good information, and as usual, I really appreciate your time and your insights. You bet. Thanks, Dan. You're welcome. You have a good day. You too. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Spot on Safety. If you'd like to ask a question or leave a comment, you can email us. The address is spotonsafety at iworkwise.com. 